Hey, and welcome to the Stories Unveiled podcast, where we talk about the purpose in every story and how to live in freedom from your past. I am your host, Ashley Sears, and each episode you're invited into a conversation about real life between me and a friend. I believe if an issue is addressed in the Bible, then it's important to create a safe and supportive space to discuss it. While some of these conversations are not easy, I do believe they are worth it. If you like what you hear, please visit our ministry at storiesunveiledconference.com. Thank you for joining today. Welcome to episode three of the Stories Unveiled podcast. I am Ashley Sears, and I'm so happy to be here with you. This episode, I was able to invite my really good friend, Susie Spoolstra Kelly to the studio. We had an incredible but hard conversation about grief, forgiveness, and the power of prayer. I wanna tell you some fun facts about Susie. She is a three-time nationally qualified women's physique competitor, former horse trainer, and rodeo queen. Susie is literally one of the strongest women I know, not just physically, but emotionally as well. She is passionate about Jesus and a champion for those she loves. I hope this conversation blesses you. Today, Susie and I are talking about deep loss and grief, but also what God can do in these situations. Susie, you have endured some really hard things in your life from abuse to cancer and so many other things, but we will get to those in just a bit. Yet through it all, you have managed to raise four children who are all grown. Would you give us a little backstory here about that? Tell me. You bet. I have uh, my firstborn is named Zach. Um, He would be 28 this year. Mm. My second is Michaela. She's 26. Uh, my thirdborn is Javen, definitely a middle child. He's 24. <laughs> and my youngest is Gabe, and he just turned 21. 21. All really close. Yeah, that oh. was like litter of kittens when I used to go around <laughs> is what I <laughs> look like. <laughs> kind of funny. All very close in mm-hmm. age. Okay, well, thank you so much for um, telling us about that. And the reason I ask is because uh, we are going to be talking about two of your kids today. So... Zach, mm-hmm. you said was your oldest. Yes. Tell me about that situation. Tell me about Zach and tell me about what happened just a few years ago. Yeah, four years ago. Four. Um, yes. And that's probably why you caught on to me saying would be 28 this yeah. year. Yeah. So he was my firstborn son. Um, screamed for probably the first two years of his life throwing up, <laughs> never slept through the night. Oh my gosh. <laughs> he was, I used to tell him he was the worst baby. <laughs> I don't know why I had children after him. Super (laughs) handsome, beautiful, um, always wanted to be protective over me, um, wanted to aspire to be a bodybuilder as well. Mm. Don't know why, but he was always so proud of me. Um, He lived, um, graduated from Parma High School. Um, Like I said, he was always close to me, called me every day. Um, But in 2018, he uh, was hit and killed by a drunk driver. Mm. about 3.30 in the morning. And I had just been recovering from a, um, a life-threatening surgery, actually. Okay. So I'd just gotten out of the hospital, only been out a week. When I heard the news, so I was moving a little slower. Um, and we got the knock on the door from the police officer telling me that um, 
he'd been hit. I mm. was doing an inventory in my head of where all my children were. And he had told me the day before that he was just going to hang out with some friends and he'd be okay. And I gave him a kiss and he said, I love you. And, and I left his apartment and that was the last time I was able to see him. Ugh. So he was hit by a drunk driver. Mm-hmm. Um, he and was on his motorcycle. He was riding a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. Was he wearing a helmet? No. No. It wouldn't have helped, but yes, okay. wearing a helmet is necessary. Yeah. But yeah. But like you said, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have mattered. When you're being hit by a 4,000 plus SUV yeah. and he's on a motorcycle, it just wasn't. So tell me about what you felt in the moment that police officer told you in your living room. Mm-hmm. Um, did you know at that point that he didn't survive or was he... Not immediately. I think your body goes in shock when you hear something like that. You're not really able to take in the information yeah. like as it comes. So I remember just kind of being in disbelief mm-hmm. for a few moments and then feeling like I couldn't breathe. Mm-hmm. Um, then obviously it was overwhelmed with emotion when he, I, I asked if he survived. It was probably a silly question at the time because obviously he was coming to my house to tell me mm. that he hadn't survived. But it took a moment for it to resonate and it took probably a few hours for it really to set in. Well, right. And I mean, maybe even longer than that to really mm-hmm. sink in that yeah, definitely. Zach was gone. Mm-hmm. So tell me about, <clears throat> there was obviously a drunk driver mm-hmm. and um, he shouldn't have been behind the wheel Mm-mm. and he shouldn't have been driving. And Mm-mm. obviously something like this could have been so easily avoided, mm-hmm. but it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And so... Can you tell me a little bit about the journey with the man that mm-hmm. killed your son? Yeah, absolutely. It's something that happened very uh, quickly in my mind and heart. Mm-hmm. I feel like um, that day that I heard the news, I went outside to try to be alone because my house with, was filled with people, which I was grateful for. But I needed to just get away. Yeah. I think when you hear traumatic news like that, you're you're in a fight or flight kind of mode and in the first place. Yeah. Obviously I couldn't run anywhere because I was recovering. Right. But I went outside and it was warm that day and um I just felt the Lord whisper in my ear. I'm like, Lord, what am I what am, what do I do with this? Mm-hmm. How are you going to use this for good? And he just it was like an, he just whispered to my heart and said, I I will use everything for my glory and I will help you. Yeah. And I just said, Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so whatever that looks like, I, I didn't know at that point. And I think that's just where I just had to trust him for every breath to get through the court, the court proceedings, the um, the sentencing that was being prepared for. But the journey really, um, I didn't know who this person was for right. quite a few days. Okay. But when I started to prepare my um, victim impact uh, statement that I would give at the sentencing, I started like right away just praying what the Lord wanted me to say. And everything that I would write down would be, as if I was talking to Zach. It was like he almost gave me a love and a compassion for this person as if he were my son. How would how would I feel if my son had gotten behind the wheel and driven drunk? Okay. How would I feel as his mom? And it was just, a, I really believe looking back, it was just a gift from the Lord. Nothing I could muster up or read in the word like we need to forgive because that's what God says. Yes, <laughs> but he really gave me that grace to do that. Yeah. And I didn't have to really think about it. It was just flowing out of my heart from the Lord when I would write it down. So... You had to give, you had to, or you were given the opportunity to. It was more, I was given the opportunity and I went to every court proceeding to stand up for my son because he couldn't be there. He couldn't be there. Mm -hmm. And so you were given the opportunity to write a victim impact statement to 
the court, to the judge, or to the gentleman that it was to the court. He wasn't. So during that whole year, uh, it was almost a year to the day that my son was killed that the sentencing actually happened. Okay. And so by that time, I'd gone to several, several court proceedings. He sat right in front of me, never looked at me, never Mm. acknowledged me. Mm -hmm. Um, But. But let me back up just a little. While I was writing the statement, the Lord gave me a really um, a vision. And I know it's a vision because it came true. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so it gave me a vision of seeing him because all I wanted was him to be sorry. Yeah. I wanted to hear him apologize. Apology. And I, just like when someone hurts hurts your child or hurts your, runs over your dog, whatever, you want them to be sorry that they did what they did, remorse. even if it wasn't a person. Yeah, remorse. And so I had this vision of meeting him and like seeing him from afar off, it sounds kind of silly, but that's really what it was. Like he was coming across a park and he was embraced me and he was hugging me and he was tearful and he was so sorry. And that's what I really wanted. And that's what I was praying for. Mm-hmm. But it was a long process. Yeah. And so that's when I go and speak to um, victim impact panels to share my story with them. Now, today, now, today still. Mm-hmm, still I share. I'm able to share my full story because it's my story. Totally. So, and then he's able to share as well, but I guess I'm getting ahead of my head of the game there. No, you're fine. So, so the vision I had yeah. was for him to be sorry for me to see him. So the when I was giving my statement, it was to him, but I wasn't addressing. Him. I wasn't addressing him. I was addressing the court. The court. But so that was that little part. So mm-hmm. you address the court, but he he hears, he knows, mm-hmm. and fast forward because all you wanted was for this man to be um, remorseful, mm-hmm. to apologize, mm-hmm. to. I think as a mom, well, just I think as a human, but as a mom, especially, we want, I think revenge is <laughs> maybe yeah. the first thing that comes to my mind and my humanity, mm-hmm. if I'm being totally honest, yeah. because that's my that's my baby. Mm-hmm. Like that was, I mean, he was your firstborn, but yeah. still he was your baby. He was my baby, yeah. And um, I can't, I, I literally cannot even imagine what that would be like. And so um, to stand in front of the person that took your son's life and um, want, and then have this vision that you want whether reconciliation or some sort of apology and a hug and an embrace feels so crazy, unnatural. unnatural. Yeah, because who who does that? Who wants to forgive and move forward in this with the very person that took your son's life? So, so tell me about what that journey. Up, yeah, that journey. So that was also part of. I know it was just the Holy Spirit in my heart. Really, because whenever, because of course, all my friends wanted to stand up for me, like mm-hmm. be angry for me yeah. and do this justice and that, and justice, and, and, yeah. and it just didn't feel, it didn't settle right in me. It actually made me feel kind of nauseated, mm. and I just wanted to get away from the anger. It caused me more anxiety and more stress. It's like I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. That's not what I feel. That's not what I'm feeling. That's not what I'm feeling. I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah, and so it was a fight against what all these people were saying. And then what I felt like God was putting in my heart. Yes, it is. It is completely unnatural. Yeah, but which is that was maybe part how of. You knew it was from the Lord. That's <laughs> how I knew it was from the Lord, and um, several confirmations after that. But um, so then the sentencing. So another reason I knew it was God's mercy was because how I can encapsulate this in a quick manner. <laughs> it's such a longer story, but I was. We went to mediation. They asked me how long do you want him to go to jail. Of course, I'm like speechless literally yeah I'm like I didn't realize I had to make this decision or what I, I don't yeah, know his sentencing and his I'm future like, is in my hands I'm like well my brother went to prison for drunk driving and he had a tree so he was there for five years here's this I, I yeah guess you're that's, trying to compare I guess that's and- okay um 
I don't know, but none of it felt natural. It was five hours of hard, horrible torture for me to be in the courthouse trying to do that back and forth. It was, it was just really difficult. Yeah. I'll just say it was really difficult. Well, and how do you put a sentence on your son's life? And it doesn't, it doesn't, because it's not going to bring him back. Right. So what is it you want, Lord? So it was decided three years and X amount of years of probation. That felt really awful to me. So I walked into the courtroom that day thinking that was what it was going to be. The judge didn't even want to hear my statement. Wow. And I'm like, I've, I knew that God wanted me to share this. I'm like, so I fought for that. I'm like, I, my kids are here. Yeah. His brothers and his sister are here to give their statements of how it impacted them. And I'm here to give mine at least we could just go up and share Yeah, that. whatever your sentence is going to be. That's fine. But at least, so I told that to the prosecuting attorney. She went, they, he allowed me to speak. Um, we got to share our, our messages and he basically okay. gave him a year writer sentence, which was, he was like, going to be out in six months. Okay. So it was hard to hear, but it wasn't because I was, I knew it was the Lord. Like it was just kind of this battle within my flesh. Like it was hard. Like, is that really all my son is worth? Yeah. It you felt know, like kind it of that. Be more, but. but I didn't really want it to be more at the same time. Yeah. So it's kind of hard to explain that feeling. But um, so that's kind of how I knew. So I thought, so part of the sentence was he was required to speak at a victim impact panel. Okay. But he would have to ask my permission okay. at some point. So I thought, okay, that's the, that's how I'm going to be able to talk to him sometime. Mm-hmm. So I followed Six months went by really fast for me. Obviously, there was a lot of, you know, the funeral and things were kind of in a um, a stage because of money. So I didn't get his headstone till like November. It was just a lot of really heart-wrenching planning of things that I never would have ever thought I had to do right. in my life. So by the time he, Zach's headstone was placed in November and he was out in December. Wow. So I thought, okay, maybe then I'll be able to talk to him. So at this point, it's been a year and a half since the accident. Mm-hmm. Still nothing. So by May, we're hitting COVID 2020, 2020. 2020 yeah. So it's two years after my son was killed. And I, I just said, is he ever going to call me? Is he ever going to, you know, I just felt it just welling up inside of me, wanted to talk to him. So finally, we were able to have a conversation. Long story short, I don't remember what I said on the phone to him, but I had people praying and he was, had never heard words, whatever I said, mm. he was expecting something went much different. Well, venom and probably yeah. a lot of anger. And, and he he actually said, I can't believe I'm actually hearing this. I would feel better if you actually were screaming and yelling at me. Yeah. And so we had this conversation and then we set up a time to meet. So then when we set, well, I don't know if you want to ask me, but when we set up the time to meet, it was in the park because, so remember my vision, yeah. it was in the park because we couldn't meet at a restaurant or a coffee shop or somewhere of that manner. it was 2020. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he came across the park with a bouquet of flowers and I have a picture capturing mm-hmm. the moment that we hugged and I've he was it. crying. Yes, it's incredible. Should, yes, it's an incredible f- just bringing to fruition just before my eyes what the Lord had just confirmed. So it was just that confirmation. Yes, that was the Lord I was hearing and this is yeah. what actually had happened. And And so as it took off from there, it's just... What an incredible testimony of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the only way to explain that is that it came from the Lord mm-hmm. because that is not something that I think anybody would naturally just have yeah. this compassion for. Um, you lost your son and mm-hmm. um, it's just incredible that you guys were able to have that and do that. And am I right that you have since spoken mm-hmm. together 
yes, on so victim impact yes, panels do, on a regular on basis, a regular actually, basis actually and so you were still in communication with yeah. him. That's amazing. So we did develop a, a pretty close relationship, mm-hmm. um, and my prayer was also that he wouldn't just want to do the one off that he was required to to speak. That it would yeah. be something that he would see as a fruitful thing in his life. That his life would be changed. Yeah, because of it. Because of it, not not just because he had to satisfy a court order. Yeah, and he has. He's like, even if you can't, I'm gonna I'm gonna share. You know, it's yeah. it's just amazing and it's so powerful because when we share our story they don't know that it's him until yeah. the end yeah. really. And then I talk about how that happened, but it's, it is very powerful and it is not natural, but it's amazing. It's amazing. It is amazing. Um, you're amazing. <laughs> I just it's, have to say. You're sweet. Thank you. Um, so that happened and um, there's clearly so much more mm-hmm. to that story. Um, you did share at the, on the stories unveiled stage mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, um, your story kind of in its entirety, um, mm-hmm. yes. but it's entirety up until that point, up into that point, because yes. not long after you shared, um, more, you know, deeply Zach's story, something else happened. And, <laughs> and I know a lot of life happened also between Zach and what you're about mm-hmm. to share about, but something pretty traumatic and Mm. drastic and almost maybe like you were living a nightmare again happened. Gosh, how long has it been? Uh, February. Okay. February. Mm -hmm. Something happened to your son, Gabe, Mm -hmm. who is your youngest. Mm -hmm. Um, Will you tell me about Gabe? Yes. So I'll kind of go back to the stories unveiled when I was speaking at that conference. Um, I had a double mastectomy two days after that. Yes. (laughs) So I I went through that, but that was just, um, I think it's important to share that, not because I had breast cancer, but because the Lord, I've always had a job. I've always worked. That's always been something I've done my whole entire life. Well, I couldn't, for other situations, I was out of a job. Well, then I found out I had breast cancer. Okay, well then, that's great, I'm not working. And then it just was taking me a long time to recover from that surgery because it'd been surgery number seven since Zach had died. Okay, wow. So my body, I think, was just having a hard time recovering. And so... I was going to start looking for a job in January because I was still sick in December. Okay. So sick, looking for a job, applying for jobs. Hasn't, I felt like the Lord said, not yet. Mm. Like, that's really weird because I've always had a job. Why not yet? You know, I just was like, okay. So I just kept applying for jobs. Nothing kind of came up. Um, and then February 20th at about one o'clock in the afternoon, Gabe had, my son Gabe had, is in the Marines. Mm-hmm. He, I, uh, station at Camp Pendleton. He mm-hmm. went to Big Bear to go snowboarding. He called me that afternoon, FaceTime me on the mountain and um, he looked tired mm-hmm. and I just felt like that little bit of check, like, honey, be careful. You know, was just- in boot camp? Was no, he, he was, he? no, he was out of boot camp. Out of, yeah, out of yeah, camp. He was stationed there. Mm-hmm. Okay. I said, just call me when you're home so I know that you, nothing bad happened to you. Yeah. That was my exact words. It was about a three hour drive from Big Bear to Camp Pendleton. So it was about 8.45, I believe, in the evening. I'd just taken four ibuprofen p.m. because I hadn't been sleeping. Mm-hmm. I get a phone call from a California number. Yeah. And I was just about to text Gabe. And I thought, oh, he broke his phone. Because mm. that would be typical <laughs> for a 20-year-old. Broke it on, broke yeah, it on broke the mountain. Yeah, broke it on the mountain, yes. Yeah. Because he was going over jumps. I mean, it was a much different phone call. Mm. So I was introduced to a social worker from Loma Linda Hospital. Okay. Don't remember her name. But she 
asked me this question, can you please identify your son by his tattoos? It wasn't like, your son's okay. He's been in an accident. That was her statement. I'm like, I literally, I went to my knees. I yeah. just said, ma'am, I, I was calm. I said, I've already lost one son. Can you please tell me if he's okay? Mm-hmm. I, I need to identify him first. So it was just this, she apologized to me later, but at that moment, it was the worst thing that I could have ever heard. And so absolutely, he was found unresponsive at the bottom of the mountain and life flighted to Loma Linda Hospital and wasn't expected to survive until I got to California. Yeah. So I loaded up my car and I drove 17 hours. You just got in the car I and just, just drove? just took a shower really quick to like, because <laughs> I, I was... My other son that's a Marine is also in California. So he was about an hour away. So he drove to the hospital and FaceTimed me when he got to the room, which the pictures are heartbreaking. Yeah, I've seen those too. And then I got a call from the, oh gosh, what is it called now? Um, it's It's a branch in the Marines that basically tells you, plans funerals and mm. all those things for you. Okay. Basically gave me the very stoic news. Not the, the call that you want to get. The medical report that I was requested at his bedside, mm. which means they're going to pay for my way. He said, well, we'll fly you here. I said, well, I'm already in the car. So <laughs> you waste no time. Susie. Yeah, no. <laughs> in a little tiny mini Cooper, 17 hours in the winter, <laughs> driving straight. I didn't only pull over to go to, that was a miracle. It really was. Yeah. For me to drive under that dress, that emotional dress. At the time I felt, well, I'm not staying home, so well, and the nothing was going to keep me. Trumped the PM that you took. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing: I didn't get to be there for Zach. I wasn't allowed to be there. Yeah. I wasn't called till after he was gone. So that was always a huge, for whatever reason, it was probably a blessing, yeah, more than a curse, totally. But the Lord still, it's you. that mom instinct to want to be there for your kids. So nothing was going to keep me from getting there. If yeah. he if he didn't make it, at least I'd be on my way. Yeah, and I wouldn't have been sitting at home waiting. So. Yeah. So I drove through the night, to, through the night um, and just, like I said, pull over to use the restroom and get some water and keep going. So mm-hmm. made it there, um, hit snow. So it took me, that's why it took me so long to get there, 17 hours instead of 12 and a half or 13 that it said. Right. And then um, got to the hospital and he was... Um, Not just, in a good way. Mm-mm. No. No. And a lot of you've seen the pictures. Yeah, I yeah, I've seen the pictures. Um, he didn't look like he was going to make it. Mm-mm. There was lots of tubes, and um, yeah, it was. It he was wasn't very supposed sad. to make it. Yeah. I know. So mm-hmm. tell me so about. Tell, so tell yeah. me about that. He so wasn't journey, supposed to make it. <laughs> no, he wasn't supposed to make it till he even got there. So. Of course, I had just, I put up, I pulled over in Marsing, which if you're from Idaho, when you're going to California, you go through Marsing. Shortly after that, you lose telephone service. Yes. So I pulled over and I just tagged as many people as I could. Please pray. Please, please, please pray. My son is not expected to live, but I believe God is bigger. I saw that post. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I just put it out there. And then luckily my phone was off because I probably would have been distracted by the, the notifications and things like that. And literally... It just went like wildfire. The Lord just, I mean, all over the world. Yes. So the first, the sec first night, I was actually, I was too overwhelmed. I didn't take any pictures when I first got there, getting information. But I just felt like I needed to take pictures. Now, why would I want to take pictures? Because I knew he was going to be okay. Yeah. I knew that he would need the to Lord see how far he came. I wanted him to see how far he came. But it was a daily. Yeah. And it was didn't look good. It was hard. It was, it was excruciating to watch your child like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was also beautiful. Yeah. 
because every day there was a different miracle. There was a different something that happened. Um, the brain injury he has is not survivable. Yeah. So At what, least. What, just real quick, what were his injuries? He had a traumatic brain injury. He had a, a traumatic. He still, yeah. yeah. He has, it's called a diffuse axonal grade okay. three brain injury. Okay. So it basically means that there's many, many areas in his brain that were hemorrhaging yeah. and like a shearing because his brain was shaken back and forth. Yeah, yeah. So he um, basically fell on his head. Yeah. He went over a jump and fell on his head. Okay. But in that, he didn't have a broken bone. He didn't have... Oh my gosh. Break his neck. Um, there's another little part I want to make sure we share before we're done about that too. But Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> so... Yes, he wasn't supposed to survive. Um, and we would literally go in one night and miracle after miracle, I was only supposed to stay in the room for 30 minutes total for the day yeah. because they were still under COVID restrictions in February. Yeah. They let me stay the whole day, the whole time. As my, I couldn't stay the night, but they let me stay from the moment I could come in in the morning until at night. Yeah. And they let me, um, they let me be there for all the procedures, which were heart wrenching and hard to watch being him being extubated and then having to be reintubated. Um, that happened three different times. Mm. But I, the Lord gave me the strength and the just to be there for him. He was responding to only my voice because mm. they would back off the sedation, see where his neurological senses were. And he, he wouldn't respond to them, but he would respond to me. So they asked for me to be in the room. Yeah. So it wasn't just, I got to stay there and kind of be on the backstory. I was really Active. there right in the middle helping them and helping Gabe. Yeah. That's and amazing. Yeah. So there was that. And so he was, gosh, it's such a beautiful story. But again, I started posting updates every day yes. of him. I went to every physical therapy appointment, was showing everybody, giving everybody just a glimpse of what the Lord was doing in him. Amazing. There he, were people all over, I know the world, but the country, like I was connected and I was sending updates for people who weren't on Facebook. And it was just like, it became this wave of just, I think a, we needed to Gabe. see that, to see the tangible miracles and being able to see, cause sometimes we don't see like with Zach, I would, I wasn't able to see, it was two years before I was able to see that vision that God gave me and I had to wait. Yeah. And I had to trust and I had to believe that that was the Lord. And then this was just every day, prayer after prayer after prayer was being answered for him. And he's walking and driving and... I know, I was going to say, so So update us. So he was he went from, and obviously so many things in between that we couldn't possibly cover today. Yeah. But from Death. going to die, yeah, mm -hmm. going to die to he walked out of the hospital. Oh yeah, he people don't he wasn't even people, wheeled out of nope. in a wheelchair. He walked out of the hospital. Every doctor and nurse, and that was my other prayer that they would see what a miracle he was. Yeah, it would be just evident that, Jesus that this would shine that through to everybody. The yes, and they said he doesn't. People don't walk out of the acute rehab. They're wheeled. They're in a walker, or they don't. They're in a bed, out. or they don't ever come out. Yeah. So he was walking. So I have a video of us walking out of the hospital and going to the Fisher house for the last six weeks that I helped, that I was helping him. And I prayed, I'm like, Lord, if it's possible, can he drive? Now, why would I ask that of my brain injured <laughs> child? Would, would I want him to drive? No, but I just felt like God was going to do that. So again, it's a long story, but bottom line, he was, I was able to get him certified to drive. Wow. The OT that certified him also said, you're a miracle. This doesn't happen. Yeah. And so he's, not that I'm happy that he's driving, 
but you know, no, but it's, but it's, it's just healing. a testament to him being where he's at and what God can do. Yes. It's, and just the miracles in two different situations, just, um, the miracle through Zach. Cause every time I speak and I share, it's just that what the God talks about in Corinthians, when, when we comfort others uh-huh. with the same comfort that he comforts us. So when I, when I get messages from people across the country that I don't even know that mm-hmm. I can forgive the man that sold my son drugs because you forgave the man that killed your son. Yeah. I mean, I'm just sharing my story. It's just God moving Absolutely. through them. And when I go and speak at a victim impact panel and I have somebody crying and they look at me and say, my life is forever changed Yeah. because of hearing your story. That's the Lord. That's not me. Yeah. And I'm not going to stop sharing I love the it. goodness of that. Yeah. I love it. Susie. It's amazing. Um, so, the power of prayer is amazing because people all over the world were praying for Gabe mm-hmm. together mm-hmm. Um, and community. Mm-hmm. There was so much help that came, I think, yes. financially. Financially. And I didn't even think awareness. I needed money. So that's, I think, kind of the thing is like, why are they sending me? Oh, yeah, I probably, oh, yeah, I probably do need, you know, it was, it was a blessing. I need money. God just provided. Yeah. I mean, in abundance. Like, I. Because you didn't have a job. I didn't have and, a job. Yeah. And, um, yeah, how was I going to stay there? You know, so it was just a lot of God just met our needs emotionally, financially, spiritually. They planted a family that is like family to us in California and they've just embraced my boys and That's amazing. and us. And yes, it's just inspired a lot of people to be closer to Jesus just by watching how God worked in Gabe and through the situation and just even through what has been handed to me in life. And I think that's where the choice always there's never been a choice for me not to trust the Lord. Sometimes yeah. it's hard. I'm not going to say it's easy. Of course. But where do you have the most peace? I have the most peace and I have to grasp onto that peace and hold on to it with yeah. all I've got because if I don't have that, I mean I'm just going to go crazy, honestly. Yeah. I don't see how people can survive without Jesus because he really does go down to that deepest part of where maybe we don't even know that we need it. Yeah. And he touches it and he heals it and he makes it whole and it's just amazing. Susie, something that has very much stuck out to me about you, I've only known you for a couple of years, mm-hmm. but um, you have never wavered in your faith in Christ. Like it's like, it's hard, it's traumatic, it's <laughs> overwhelming and it's all in, in your humanity, you know, there's feelings I'm sure, but mm-hmm. man, it's like, but God, mm-hmm. always. That's always been your story in every situation, but God. And I just admire you for that. And oh. I think that that's absolutely amazing. Um, I do want to ask you, you can mm-hmm. you can <clears throat> share, if there's anything else you'd like to share and, and let me yeah. know, please tell me. But I do want to ask you one last question. Sure. For the person that's listening mm-hmm. who is walking through really deep waters of grief mm-hmm. or loss, um, or who's prayed for something that maybe they just haven't seen anything come to fruition or is just walking through a similar situation of mm-hmm. so many hard things, what would you say to them? I would share what I do mm-hmm. and hopefully it helps <laughs> and what I had to do. Um, filling your mind with things that feed your soul, like from the Lord, just worship songs, yeah, podcasts that talk about the word. His word is what's going to stand forever and his word is what's plants it plants that peace in our hearts yeah. and just to, and even if you can't read, because sometimes when you're grieving so deeply, you can't pick up your Bible and read it. Yeah. So just put on something to listen to, but he promises to be close to our broken hearts. Psalm thirty four eighteen. he promises to be close to the brokenhearted and rescue us. Yeah. And he really does. And in those deep waters, 
just to stay close to him. And it's not a trite statement. It really is a decision to make every moment. And if it has to be every minute, every minute. Yeah. And pray for God to give you people that love you. And I know that he will. Yeah. Because he provided it for me. Yeah. People that you can call at midnight when you can't sleep because the nighttime is hard. Yeah. When you're grieving. The nighttime is when things happen. The nighttime is when it hurts. The nighttime is when everything's quiet and then all of the feelings are louder. Yeah. And so you really need God to come in and give you that peace. And so he is faithful. Mm. Even if it doesn't seem like things are going as planned, he is still faithful and he's big enough and like he is the same God that he was yesterday today and forever. He's the same God that parted the Red Seas. He's the same God that did everything that he did in the Bible and he will do it for you. Yeah. And if he did it for me, yeah, I'm just here sharing, he's going to do it for, for them too. That's awesome. And I'll even just add, but correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. that it there's some comfort in knowing that Jesus has literally felt everything He's felt grief, loss. Absolutely. And so we're not alone in that. We're not alone. Yes, absolutely. He knows exactly what we're feeling. And he, like I said, he knows everything, even if we don't know. Um, so one of the scriptures, if I have a second to share that um, sure. in Joshua 1, 9, it's, you know, be very courageous. And the end of it says, because I'll be with you wherever you go. It was on Gabe's, one of his favorite verses. And as I was sitting in the in the hotel room one night trying to get type an update it took me about two hours to type the updates every mm, night like wow. beside uh, getting home from the hospital and then just having some quiet to just share what the lord had me to share and give everybody an update and he just gave me a vision of because i wasn't able to be there for zach mm-hmm. and it was a really hard thing for me to think about him laying in the road by himself yeah. dying and i knew that practically in my mind he wasn't alone but it was really hard as a mom to forget that. And yeah. so it was a big struggle for me. And so when I, the Lord just spoke to my heart, I read, I was sharing that verse and he literally is like, he picked up Gabe off that jump and placed him on the ground. Mm. And not only did he place him on the ground, he provided someone that I didn't even know that a friend of a friend of a friend knew that <laughs> told me that they were there and they prayed for him. Oh my gosh. So I, he allowed me to see that. And so the Lord allowed me to see things kind of behind the veil a little bit to give me comfort that I'm the same God I was with Zach. Yeah. Just like I was with Gabe. That's amazing. Susie, thank you so much for sharing your story. And it's so powerful. And I just thank you for taking the time out of your day to come and do this. Thanks for having me. Sorry if it was broken up. It's so much to try to... I know. It is so much. Our stories are not linear. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And there's always so much to them. It hardly hardly does justice to do a, a podcast like this. But thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us for today's conversation on the Stories Unveiled podcast. We would love it if you would leave us a rating or review. If you would like to learn more about Stories Unveiled and our events, go to storiesunveiledconference.com or follow us on Facebook or Instagram at storiesunveiled underscore. The Stories Unveiled podcast is created in partnership with KTSY and Barefoot Media Ministries. For more encouragement and other podcasts, visit ktsy.org. Have an incredible day and go live unveiled.